On this episode of On the Record, we check in with Steve Primorano, the general manager of Sign of the Whale. This is a high-volume rooftop bar in Stamford, Connecticut that blends quality food with party bar operations. We'll discuss how to maintain safety in large crowds, building a food program where it wasn't always known for one, and operating within the bounds of the law when it comes to having residential neighbors. Let's go on the record. Come in here at 11 to 30 on a Saturday, have some brunch, enjoy yourself, listen to some good music, hang out with your friends, and then if you decide you want to stay, it's almost like we have a whole second bar upstairs, somewhere else to go to, enjoy yourself, be outside, and spend the rest of the afternoon here. So that's been something that's been uh, part of our success is that Typically, you know, you go to a restaurant or a bar, you're there for an hour and a half, two hours. People can stay here all afternoon and do many different things while they're here. So that's just a small piece of it, but it, it's part of what made us successful. Putting that together in that aspect where most businesses struggle to get the happy hour crowd in, mm-hmm. they struggle to layer the bar and the environment. That way, whoever's coming in for dinner is kind of excited when they walk into a full building. Because mm-hmm. nobody ever wants to be the first guy sitting at the bar. That right, sucks. Like, mm-hmm. You want to kill yourself when you're sitting there solo. And then next thing you know, it's like an hour and nobody showed up. So just being able to, I guess, differentiate you know, a daytime scene where there's quality kind of food, mm-hmm. drinks, and an environment that's like inviting is definitely what puts people in the seats later on at night. It mm-hmm. makes a transition to nightlife, I think, a lot easier. It does, but it wasn't always um, an easy task because, you know, our kitchen used to close a little later, around 11, and our nightlife crowd would already be on their way in and starting to form that larger crowd that you speak of, almost starting to crowd the tables. So we had to kind of tweak those, those moments. So we started closing the kitchen just a little earlier so that the diners and that experience was kind of contained and taken care of, and then we'd be able to set up and get ready for the next phase of what we do here in the nightlife. As far as, like, this is a big, this is a big building. How many square feet are in here? Uh, downstairs is 5,000 and upstairs is 5,000. So like, altogether, 10,000 square feet. What's the capacity in this place? 300 up, and then down here it's 180 with tables and chairs, and then 240 if we move them out. Like, so we could have almost 600 people in here at any given time. It's insane how this works to you know, your benefit in the current landscape that we're in where, yeah, your numbers have to be so much smaller. Everyone has to be six feet apart. Mm-hmm. So as far as inside goes, sure, you could fill up these seats pretty easily. Mm-hmm. And then having the additional outdoor space upstairs, mm-hmm. it's a whole different ball game too. Where, all right, cool. You can still go upstairs. You get to enjoy the view, see a little water, see the apartments. Mm-hmm. You know, there's something up there for everybody. But there's a big space to fill. Mm-hmm. And in the summertime, I've been in here, sardine can packed mm-hmm. in regular times, right? And in the wintertime, though, this isn't as much of a winter space as, you know, other spots would be. Yeah, I agree. And we've had to become creative in, um, in the entertainment and what we do to, like you said earlier, layer those times of the day and get things to work for us. But I think we've done a good job of, you know, having different segments. Like we have our brunch in the afternoon and we have a really good happy hour during the, you know, during the, the later uh, afternoon, early evening. And then dinner comes in. And over the years, we've gotten to... Uh, a better reputation for our food and service. I know in the very beginning we kind of dropped the ball on that, but we've been able to redeem ourselves and people are coming in for dinner now and that helps fill in the, you know, the 11.30 to 10 o'clock and then sometimes we'll have bands on Fridays to fill in the late night spot and that time of year if it's a little slow. Or Saturdays, you know, we still get a decent crowd even though we have to compete with Bedford Street and the bar hopping and there's no real bar down here to compete with and trade guests with, but, um, you know, we've found our layers and the way to get our segments together and it's, we've turned it into a, a nice, steady, profitable business, even in the slow periods. Do you feel like with, obviously everyone was bar hopping previously. Mm-hmm. You know, we're in an area right here. 
in a crowded, busy town where there's two sections of this city of Stanford. There's one section, which is the older section. There's like, you know, 10 bars all around that walking distance area. So people have always been trained to just jump around. Mm-hmm. And then we have this new section over here. There's Mexico here they go to, uh, maybe Bear Burger. There was World of Beer at some point. So like there's all these areas that you could just jump around in and have different drinks before you ultimately wind up here which is where everyone would wind up coming to the end of the night. Mm -hmm. So now with COVID though, where now we have these new rules where you've got to get food. Mm -hmm. It prevents bar hopping altogether. So uh, are you almost finding that through that time period, more people were just coming out here earlier because this is where they wanted to be and they rather not go through the headache? Uh, Well, that's, it's kind of two different, um, two different ways of life completely. There was no real like uh, bar hopping. You know, you went out to eat somewhere and you probably couldn't get in somewhere else because you had to either, hey, have a reservation or there may not be space because of the limited capacity. So I really can't say that um, COVID and the time period that we went through in the last year and a half really compares to pre or what it, could, it might be this summer. But I know that our square footage, like you had mentioned, and having the diverse space had really helped us out last year. You know, we were still able to accommodate 300 people at any given time, um, whether it be, you know, the 100 that we were allowed downstairs. You guys saw we put tables out front and also had about 120 up. So people knew they can still come here and have a good time, even though there wasn't the bar and club atmosphere. You know, we still kept DJs on to keep the, you know, the side of the well motif in place and remind people that when this is over, they can still come out and have that fun time. So, you know, it's really hard to say that um, is the bar hopping affected. Well, I'm trying to think about what we were saying. We were talking about bar hopping. Uh, well, I, I was suggesting that maybe the fact that everyone has to order food prevents them from bar hopping anymore, really. And do they just land here instead? Um, I mean, we, we did have people up the street um, in line waiting to come in. So I would say, yeah, that it, people did end up coming here instead because they couldn't bar hop. I think we were probably one of the number one options. And like I said, we, we still made it fun and, you know, and interesting, even though you're still coming to a restaurant. It wasn't that normal bar and uh, club atmosphere. So here you have like a benefit, right, where you can kind of you split between getting you have the restaurant vibe and you switch into having like a late night vibe or whatever. Mm-hmm. We had spoken before is talking about when you when they change everything to having to order food to have a drink like personally i i love that rule right because mm-hmm. we're on the restaurant side so i mm-hmm. everybody that comes in just for a beer now they got a tag on an, an appetizer and we had spoken to a lot of bars or like a lot of guys i know that have like a bar that's just a late night bar for forever i would have conversations with these guys and they'd be complaining of mm-hmm. i can never get anybody to order food i can't get my my food mm-hmm. program you know launched you know whatever their complaint was and you know we would always have like you know just regular conversations about it then during this time where they literally had to sell food to people, the same guy's complaining, saying, I got to sell food to this guy. He doesn't want to eat. And I'm, I would say to him, dude, you've been complaining to me for years that you couldn't get your food program going. And now, now you're, you're forced and now, to. And now you have to. And you're complaining about it. Just like push it out there. But anyway, my, I kind of liked it because I thought the check averages went up. Well, well I mean, I th- it was a great opportunity for us because... Like I said in the beginning, we kind of dropped the ball with the food and the service. It was a really big space to try to figure out exactly how everything was going to work. You know, we had to reduce the square footage we were serving our full menu on because it was just too many seats. Um, but last year really gave us an opportunity to show people that, hey, yeah, we're cool. You know, we're signing the whale. We're a lot of fun. But you could still come here and have an awesome dinner or an awesome brunch, or have an awesome lunch and enjoy some really delicious food and some good cocktails. 
So I think this coming season, it'll be twofold. It won't just be the nightlife people coming out to the bar and us having to like fill in the dinner portion. I think from open to close, because we've had to service people um, with food and they had to eat when they came here, they really got to try most of our menu and enjoy themselves. I mean, we had a lot of repeat customers last year who tried many different items. So I think in, in some ways what happened last year benefited us. You know, besides losing sales and being in the red at the end of the year, it was a nice year to show off some things that people didn't really n think about us for. It's crazy too, though. Like, look at the, yeah, you've seen yeah. the menu notes. So, so I, was, I was about to say, when you say you had to revamp your food menu or your food program, now I look at your menu and you say you have 23 dinner items and 18 small plates. What did you go about revamping and how did you do that? Uh, so originally, we served a very similar style menu with almost the same amount of items, um, but for the entire place, like from the bar all the way to the other end of the roof and all the way down here. In 2015, we were... You need a small soccer team of yeah, how food runners, is, I How big is like. your kitchen? How, how the kitchen is, is um, not the biggest I've ever worked in, but it is a, a decent size. I wish there was a little bit more prep space, but, you know, we make things happen. But as far as the line goes, I mean, it's... I mean, like square footage, I don't, I don't know offhand, but I mean, we have our pizza station, our saute station, our grill, our fry, our salad, and it probably stretches about 25 feet. Plenty of, uh, plenty of equipment to, uh, to execute everything we need to do. But uh, as I was saying, we had way too many seats to service with a full menu. So there was nothing we could really do in 2015 to curtail that because we were already, that was our precedent. So if someone at the, at the bar ordered a steak, sometimes they'd wait an hour for it. And I would literally be walking around with gift cards in my back pocket, just like, hey man, Sorry about that. We're working things out. Try us again. Just going around and making sure that people at least you know come back, even though they waited a long time for the, the food. guys. Like it was rare. I I wanted the rare steak. Whoa, whoa, I mean, no joke. There was one it. time that like I was going around, even just like throwing shots at people, and this girl goes, "I don't want any more drinks. I just want my food." I felt terrible. <laughs> it was awful. Like I knew how bad things were at that time. So in 2016, we created what was what we call the cafe on the rooftop. So we use half the rooftop for full service, full dinner. And the other portion is what we call the beer garden upstairs, and we have like a bar menu, a smaller portion menu, stuff that we can get out quicker, mostly pizzas, fried food, stuff that goes out fast. And we saw the same exact food sales as the year before, but we served 30% less of the square footage. So we got food out faster, guests are having a better time. And over the next two, three years, we saw the food numbers increase and the reviews get better. So that was one major part of getting this place right on track. And it was like almost right in time. We like figured out the formula right before all this happened and we could be a full service restaurant. You've also got a couple of um, large plates for two on your menu. Mm -hmm. Was that something that you opened up with or is that something that just sort of developed over time? Well, over time we've decided to serve some like larger, more impressive portions. I mean, you guys know these days with social media and being where, you know, something needs to be photogenic, something people could see something tangible and say, you know what, I got to go try that. Yeah. It started off with those big tidal wave glasses that we used to do with the, with the smoke uh, dry ice. And then I decided the year after, I was like, we should do a bigger dessert platter and a do bigger um, appetizer platter. And then that was working. And the chef goes, you know what, let's try a large meat platter, a large seafood platter. And it's just been something that's, that's been working for us. We have a lot of large crowds, a lot of large birthday parties. I know they can order two, three, or four of those and, and serve their entire table from it. And obviously it helps increase check averages. You know, guys herb. like me and you will go out and eat the meat platter together. And there's some people that'll go out and share it with four or five people. You think, you think I'm sharing with you? That herb roasted <laughs> meat platter sounds then you get delicious. The you get oh, the Instagram story across the whole table with everything yeah. mm -hmm. on the table make it look like it. Well, that's, I mean, that's exactly where we're headed. And that, I mean, that's part of the handbook, really, at mm -hmm. the end of the day, is that we need to have something that's a spectacle, something that people are going to take photos of. It's just a formula. Like, mm -hmm. it, it doesn't matter what you put there. 
As long as it's a spectacle. It's gotta look good, it doesn't matter a little bit. Well, that's mm -hmm. what I mean. Yeah. Like, it's gotta look good, obviously. Yes. But it doesn't matter what's in there. Just fit the formula, make it be a spectacle. Mm -hmm. People are going to share it. Yeah. And now we've got bloggers. Like, mm -hmm. this is a whole newer thing that is happening out here, is like, the invention of the blogger. Right? We're out here completely, and at the end of the day, they're bringing you business. Mm -hmm just based off of their shares. And we just talked to PJ with Hey Stanford somewhat recently too. And as part of that, he I told him literally, I just moved to Stanford and I was finding spots that you were then later posting. And with that being said, I was I was there first, I felt like. And then he tagged it later, justified this is a place you should be checking out. You feel like an insider when you get tips like that and you can just show up to a spot that's Com like justifiably good. Completely. Um, but with that too, your menu, it has a lot of really light type foods on it. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to say that it caters to women, mm -hmm. but like I think that the menu is very influenced by like fit type foods, mm -hmm. light type foods, things that get groups of girls out here and interested in having a, a meal. I think that was probably a little bit intentional as we sit across the street from a gym, you know? Right. <laughs> yeah, well, the people that live in this area are definitely very health conscious. <laughs> But it's also, um, I would like, instead of using light, I like to use the word fresh. I mean, we order our seafood from New Wave in Stanford four or five, even six times a week if we have to. Um, we get our produce in every other day. Uh, we change the menu, th you know, four times a year. But even in between those, we'll make some tweaks and some items depending on what's seasonal. So that's really what we do is we just want to keep it fresh. The chef here is great about that. I mean, we're adding, we just added some, some new things last week. Like we have a new striped bass that's on there and we took the scallops off that we were doing before. So... Uh, keeping it fresh and interesting is important because we have people that want to come here all the time, but you don't want to look at the same menu every day either. Correct. You, you definitely want to see some changes happen. The well, bass season's opening up like mm -hmm. uh, right now anyway, too, so it's right in line. Okay. So, yeah, things that go over my head, but you're <laughs> obviously looking at the sheets of what everyone's buying. Well, no, I'm going I'm going fishing <laughs> yeah. in two weeks. Oh, <laughs> got Checking it. Checking out the ocean. <laughs> got it. I didn't know what he was talking about for a second. Uh, so in, in the wintertime we go from 100 to almost zero mm -hmm. to some extent, right? We figure out how to keep some things going, keep it alive. I mean, I've come out here for trivia. Mm -hmm. Like, it was packed house pretty much for the trivia that was going on. Harry Potter, Schitt's Creek, mm -hmm. uh, The Office, Never or, you know, the whatever office, it is. Be, we'd have to turn people away. Yeah, so, like, these things definitely generate traffic when the off-season comes and you kind of need the help bringing people in. Mm -hmm. But this isn't something we really do during the summer, is it? No, well, we don't usually um, do more things that are segmented or gim or almost, I'd like to, I don't like to use the word as a gimmick, but those gimmick ideas that bring in those guests at that time of year. The summer, no, we don't really need to. And then pre-COVID, we had to come up with ideas almost each day of the week to have a special segment for people to come in. Uh, like we did, like you said, trivia on Tuesdays. We had our uh, live bands on Fridays. We let them use this upper deck area. Okay. And then they would fill in the restaurant with people that are coming to see them. So that would help. But I also noticed that a lot of those things, even though they brought in sales, didn't really help the bottom line because then I had to pay for those items and pay for the staff to be on. And sometimes you'd see the sales growth, but the bottom line would stay flat. So they're nice, but I hope that with the impression that we've gave people about our food and how much of a headway we've made with being a birthday place, that we won't really have to rely on those so much. And this coming fall, even this winter, this past winter was probably our best winter that we've ever had. And I'm hoping that trend stays moving forward so I don't have to really utilize those those special events and just kind of have a natural flow. We discussed this pretty recently uh, a couple episodes back where we were trying to figure out the return on investment in doing outside events 
and what you're saying with doing the you know ideas that generate traffic in the off season like trivia the band or whatnot even if your bottom line is kind of flat yeah obviously it's not great you want to show profit mm-hmm. but your name is in everyone's mouth mm-hmm. and they're telling their friends oh we went to sign for trivia like it's almost it's marketing really mm-hmm. at the end of the day True. no matter which way you look at it mm-hmm. i think and i mean just we've never really your events that you do at smokehouse are more so maybe like a beer dinner or right. a special you know five course tasting menu from the chef I think I, I don't recall if we've ever done anything at Smokehouse no, that was mo- along these lines. Yeah, no, most of ours are like ticketed dinner type events. Oh, although yeah. uh, you do live music in New Rochelle previously. In New Rochelle, yeah. Well, I, we can get into space, but now space is becoming an advantage again. And mm-hmm. like Mamaronix, kind of small, and Old New Rochelle was small until we opened the patio, and then we had the space, and then you know that gave us some things. But we don't have the extra space, so we had to kind of focus it to smaller, more intimate type things. When you go down to the skeleton team in the winter, mm-hmm. uh, almost skeleton team, I guess we should say, right? Mm-hmm. If you can do multiple different jobs as one person, you're likely doing that. Uh, man- managers wind up taking also bar shifts just mm-hmm. to help make sure that the place is staying afloat until summer comes, and then you pack out 3,000 people in this place you know, every weekend or so. Uh, how does that... How do you prepare for that? How do people know when they're coming on? Like, hey, this is a summer job. This is it. So people pretty much know when they're hired in the spring that it might not be a long-term job. You know, we even warn them. Like, and it, it, we tell them it's nothing personal. Like, some, I've had plenty of really good servers and bartenders that I've had to let go for a certain period of time. But because we have such a good product and they make a really good amount of money here in that season, I've had less trouble hiring because I have a lot of return staff members. We've had a really good retention and even a seasonal retention over the last, you know, three, four years. Are you feeling what everyone else is feeling, though, right now with oh, the absolutely. hiring? And- I can't I can't get a line cook to save my life right now. I've had my, you know, my, my guys are working a lot of extra hours. Make You know, they're making overtime, so they're all happy making the extra money. But I'm worried about them getting tired. And we're not even into, like, really the busiest part of the year yet. You know, when June comes around and... We're having all these graduation parties and christenings and communions and all the stuff that comes at that season. I'm worried about them getting tired. And it's been really tough to find to find guys to come in and work because they're making more money, you know, with the extra unemployment than they probably would uh, in the kitchen. And now I have to get competitive with with my payroll and start, you know, raising some payroll, which, you know, that all comes down, you know, over years. That's just going to happen anyway. But then, you know, I got to increase prices, too, and it gets passed on to the guests that I feel... I feel bad that that's the way things are going because it doesn't need to be that way. But I, f- I feel like the jump is higher than people are used to. Mm-hmm. We always go annually. There's always going right. to be some increase, and it's kind mm-hmm. of a gradual thing. And guests usually don't feel it as much. But this year, because of just what you said, it's literally like nobody in the pool. Mm-hmm. Everything's going to jump, you know, twice as much as it used to, and it's I'm worried it's going to. That and the supply chain problems. And that I mean, too. you know, the, the, the demand for the food is, is reaching new heights because even restaurants that closed last year that couldn't make it are being reopened by new investors. Right. So, even you know, I think the number was about a million new restaurants are going to be opening or have opened up since the restrictions have um, been rolled back. And I, I mean, I know you've noticed it. I mean, even the price of wings are almost double than what they were last year. Can we talk about wings add. one more time? <laughs> I was just going to ask. Just it's, it's a commodity and... It's a popular item, especially here. People yep. love our wings, and we make our blue cheese in-house. And 
You know, instead of getting wings for 12 bucks, it's going to be $16 soon probably. It's just yeah. it's crazy. We just actually had to, we were like, are we going to raise the price again or you want to drop a wing off, you know, like the mm-hmm. portion mm-hmm. size? Which one's good? Which one are they going to notice? Like those yeah. kind of things. I mean, we already notice it. Four mm-hmm. years ago, you would get eight wings and then it was like six wings. And then now I'm starting to see five wings on, on a plate. Like if it goes down to four wings, <laughs> I'm getting my trench coat. <laughs> you're not, not going to see 50 cent wing deals I'll tell you. no yeah. that's not happening a dollar would <laughs> no. be a special <laughs> right. you know I, and I just brought this up right here uh, from this morning's morning brew where they're just they wrote a little article here and they're saying patio season is in danger the industry lost a total of 2.5 million jobs in 2020 and it only gained about 442,000 jobs back in Q1 mm-hmm. which is like that's it right here all these people just decided that they were going to start selling cars instead? I mean, like I said, we had a really good re- a seasonal retention in our employees. And last year, I had almost next to none of them come back. I had to do like a fresh hire. And I'm sure, you know, you guys have come in here. You see a lot of new faces in the last year. Those people came back that were here last year. But my employees from two years ago, they're all still, you know, either they found new jobs, like you said, you know, they're, they're selling cars somewhere or they're still sitting at home. They're not doing, they're not doing anything. They're still collecting government money. So in, in this space where, yeah, it's huge, there's a lot going on, it's got to be a well-oiled gear pretty mm-hmm. much to run. I mean, you're one man mm-hmm. in way too many thousand square feet. Mm-hmm. It's hard to keep an eye on everything. Mm-hmm. And considering dinner service, you don't really need to fully keep an eye on everything as far as safety is concerned. Mm-hmm. When we go into the nightlife structure of things, you know, you're no longer a restaurant. Now it's almost like a, a preventive war zone to some extent. Mm-hmm. You've got to have security at the door. And considering the size of this place, how much security do you really keep on? Um, I used to have between seven and eight guys and a police detail. I just brought the police detail back this week. Um, not because there's any real threat here. It just keeps people in line. You know, sure. two weekends ago when we first opened the bar, I had a guy doing donuts in the street outside <laughs> after he left. The whole street was smoke, you know, I'm sure woke up half the guests in the neighborhood. So we decided to bring somebody on to remind people that there's a police presence around the corner so that they don't do those kind of ridiculous things. Um, but yeah, I'm probably gonna have six or seven security guys on just to keep an eye on the doors. But we also have a, a really good system together um, to go from that restaurant to the nightlife. Like as guests are leaving, these tables and chairs get spread out, pushed to the side or brought outside so that we have a nice clear path for people to come, hang out, dance, and enjoy themselves. We have a, a texting system. The first year we were open, we had people just waiting in line outside mm-hmm. to go up to the roof, and that was just lost money. Like, they're not spending money if they're outside. So we downloaded an app. They come in, they check in at the door, and then when there's space upstairs, while well, I'm up there and I'm kind of orchestrating it, I text them to come up. They show the, the, the security guy here their text, and they can go upstairs and enjoy themselves. So and I, I've all of those things that. come into play and like you said, a well-oiled machine, like we have the line is shorter outside, so more, more attractive for guests to come by and, and try to spend their time. And then they're in the door and they probably buy two drinks before they even go up to where they're really desirable spaces and they buy another two or three up there. So we've turned it into like having kind of bar hopping in our own building in a way. Uh, I've been in here years back, noticed that. Mm-hmm. And sure, of course, we wanted to go on the roof and go hang out where there's fresh air. And yeah, we'll text you when it's ready. What do we do? We go straight to the bar. We buy a round of shots. We get a round of drinks. Mm-hmm. Finally, we go up to the roof. And like you just said, a couple more drinks on the roof. It's ingenious. Mm-hmm. And sectioning off, we have <coughs> this talk a lot too on this podcast, where you do have to kind of section off rooms 
and then reinvent fresh ways for people to kind of view the room. Uh, we've suggested even points where the daytime looks completely different than the nighttime, mm -hmm. where it might be lighting or it might be removing some type of partition that kind of opens up the floodgates for the nightlife experience. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of companies that don't have nightlife experience, like you specifically have nightlife experience well before this place was even here and before you were involved in it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't realize that there's kind of like a finesse to closing down the house at the end of the night. Like there's a finesse to having that transition from dinner service into nightlife. And at what point really are you then dropping the lights, getting the music up another notch? And are you doing this in like a multi-phased It definitely direction? is multi-phased by 10 o'clock. So let's say 2019 on a typical Saturday night, beautiful weather, a lot of people here. Just trying to paint the picture. Um, I'll come down. I'll tell the DJ, hey. Pretty little you, people. You, <laughs> you can go up a little bit more. I'll bring the lights down as low as they can go without them turning off. And then the guests that are finishing their dinner, they can make a decision. Hey, do you want to go upstairs and enjoy yourselves for a little while longer? So we're starting to set the stage for those people that may have otherwise gone somewhere else. So I'm keeping those guests and retaining them. And then setting the stage for the people that are coming in for that um, that nightlife entertainment. By 10.30, lights are starting to off altogether. The furniture is being moved. We're rolling out a sidebar to a certain spot down here to get some you know extra revenue, have an extra revenue center. And then by 11, I mean, we have a lot of recessed dance lights in here that you don't really see because we have all this cool like industrial style ceiling. And then I'll hit those. I'll tell the DJ, hey, put on one of the most popular songs right now. And let me know when you're about to drop it. And when that's coming, boom, that's when these lights come on. And it's like, now we're running at 100 miles an hour, ready to go. And, that, like, and then at what, what point would, does the family with the baby that's crying that clearly is <laughs> out way too late? If the family's <laughs> out way too late, that's on them. <laughs> um, but that's why I kind of make it like an hour-long transition. By 11 yeah, o'clock yeah. is when those lights are coming on. But by 10, you're noticing that things start to changing. change. So mm -hmm. you've kind of got that unofficial like warning warning I, shot that things are about to get a little different. I always see when that family comes in. I'm always looking at them like, really, you guys? Really? You're still, <laughs> you know, they're, you're still out here? Or, I mean, we have that go on with Sunday brunch, too. People are like, oh, you have a DJ. The music's kind of loud. I'm like, so listen, if you really enjoy your food but you don't want this atmosphere, come on Saturday. Saturday, right. there isn't a DJ. It's a little quieter, more family-friendly. Just change your brunch day. Do it on Saturday. Because then that helps them talk to their friends. Hey, listen, I like going to sign. They mentioned going out on Saturdays, and then I could fill in that day as well. And that's kind of what's happened over the years. So you get a little bit more mild brunch on Saturday and a more crazy off-the-wall brunch on Sunday. Yeah, there's nothing worse than, like, bending and actually fulfilling, like, somebody's need when it's, like, one of many. Mm -hmm. And then that's just, like, the floodgate that opens up where it's like, well, you did it last time. Mm-hmm. No, I made a mistake last time. I can't do that again. <laughs> right. Uh, but all right, so that's going in, right? It's kind of the same as closing. It's mm -hmm. multi-phased getting prepared mm -hmm. for nightlife. Right. I mean, by the time I have that all going on and I'm on my phone starting to text people because they're getting them on the wait list, I'm also balancing getting the servers checked out, making sure their side work's done, things are clean for the next day doing their cash out so they can go home. They don't have to wait for me till two I mean, in the morning. It's chaotic. Yeah. It definitely is. I mean, it's, it's, orchest it's orchestrated, though. Sure. It's, it's controlled chaos. Uh, transition in a high-volume establishment is, I think, always the hardest thing that you tend to see between mm -hmm. getting the cash draw and making sure that everything's on top and having to count all their cash and this mm -hmm. cash and this cash while fires are starting to happen up front that have to get put out. Mm -hmm. It's like, so you rely definitely not just on yourself being here, but the rest of your managerial staff, I'm mm -hmm. sure. And then you've got point guys that are 
able to handle business behind the bar anyway and mm -hmm. make sure that fires do get put out. Yeah, I mean, I have eight radio sets, uh, radio headsets. I'm wearing one. The um, the host that's checking people in at that time of night on the app is wearing one in case we need to talk. Uh, my door guy and like some of the main security guys that I need to coordinate with, they all have them. Just so that, you know, we're not running around like crazy people looking for each other. We can just quickly say, hey, listen, have you seen Steve? Oh, Steve, there you are. Can you come down and talk to this particular guest? Or what are you up to right now? I'm like, listen, I'm a little busy. Can you handle that normally when I would do something? I kind of try to delegate some things because I'd tear my hair out if I hadn't. A lot of people don't realize, though, when you start closing down the business and everyone's inebriated, they've been drinking all night, mm -hmm. that you have to guide them out in the same way that you set up the multi-phase downturn, mm -hmm. where maybe a half hour ahead of time, it's lights halfway. Mm -hmm. Maybe it's music halfway down or 30% down, and you start just wiggling this until people start getting the gist. And then 15 minutes ahead, you might be screaming, you got five minutes. Yeah, legally, you could be open for the other 15 minutes still, but it takes so long just to get everybody that's drunk to finish wrapping up their conversations because they're having the most passionate conversation about window treatments, right, <laughs> at the end of the night. And this is what mm -hmm. we see. So uh, I've been to so many places where they don't really understand how to shut down. Mm -hmm. And just with zero finesse, they come around and they go, Guys, just got to be out. Got to be out. Lost the beer. Got to be out. Well, where were my mm -hmm. five notifications mm -hmm. between like the visual ones that we didn't have to have communication on, mm -hmm. uh, the sound ones where the audio just starts to dissipate and everyone's going like, "What happened in the music? Oh, it must be time." Mm -hmm. And then that last throttle one, it's like, "Hey, all right, it's time to get out." So, I, I mean, coming from this, too, if you don't do that, you're kind of in trouble a lot of times. Like new guys that come into this business that don't know how to shut down the bar, mm -hmm. you wind up looking at the cameras if you're not there and you're just like, why are people still in there? It's like 20 minutes after close already. It's 4 a.m. Mm -hmm. if you're talking New York time. Right. Well, that's another system that we've over the years put in place. Like we start closing the rooftop a little earlier than we do down here. And we also have a separate exit. Like we use this side door here um, for the rooftop guests. They're not allowed to like come in through this way because they'll come down from upstairs and say, oh, there's still a party going on down here. Let's go dance. But no, sorry, you're upstairs. Time to head out. We put a stanchion and another security guy here to make sure that goes on with three garbage cans to make sure that they're not taking anything onto the sidewalk or into the street and ruining how you know beautiful BLT has made this, this area down here. And then maybe this section down here is like 10 minutes behind the upstairs. Um, and then by, you know, by 145, all the music's off, all the warnings have been given, like you had mentioned, and it's time to start pushing people out, because even that takes 10 minutes. So that by 2 a.m., the, the staff's starting to clean up, and they're you know sitting down and taking a minute after a long night that we've had. We did it. We did it, guys. We launched the... We launched the I can't even talk. We you launched can't even the, talk, but we launched the podcast. We're 50-plus episodes in. It's a lot of episodes in. We're doing two a week. We're having awesome conversations in between. We're doing topics earlier in the week, too. These things get released every single week. So you know what we did, Nooms? What do we do, Jay? We launched the Patreon. Patreon, Patreon, Patreon. Patreon. <laughs> it's patreon.com slash waiting on fries. Make sure you go subscribe to a tier. Help us out here. This thing doesn't run itself. What am I in? We're like in such a negative deficit, I think, on this podcast. It's the worst business. Don't ever go into a podcast business. It's a damn bad idea. But you should start a like a, a spice business or something like that? Yeah, anything else. That's the next wave. But go check out the patreon.com slash waiting on fries. Subscribe to a tier. Just said if we could get a handful of subscribers on there, we're going to start doing video of the locations we're talking to. Something to look forward to, video content. So being in the center of this community, a lot of business owners, uh, 
you know, in any bar that they're looking to open up, one of the concerns is the neighbors. And where we are right now, there's a lot of neighbors. I mean, there's like 15 floor buildings all around us and sound travels upwards. Like, how are you dealing with having the rooftop and not having too many issues with neighbors? Uh, over the years, that's just been a, um, a revolving door, a situation where like people, you know, I'll be doing those cash outs in the office at 11 and I got people calling, hey, can you turn the music down? Hey, your guests are really loud. And I tell them that, you know, I will turn the music down to the legal extent. You know, we do have our own operational parameters that we're allowed to be in. And ambient noise is not something that we're responsible for. There is no sound ordinance for ambient noise in, in this city anyway. So we're kind and we're polite and we do our best. I mean, I, this woman that called used to call incessantly every night. I would just be like, hey, come in for dinner. You know, I'll feed you. Come down, have dinner on me. And eventually won her over and she stopped, you know, calling and calling the police. But and now she's on my payroll. <laughs> <laughs> but it's been it's been an uphill battle. I mean, guests, when they, when they move in here now, I think they realize where they're moving and we have less complaints but i mean when the beacon first opened up it was it was awful i mean this is a yeah, this is a very young neighborhood like mm-hmm. yeah, i don't know if you know the demographics <laughs> offhand but everybody here owns a dog they're under like 35 yeah, young professionals or divorcees it's one or the other sure were you, were you open before they built the buildings or um those two weren't there those were dirt piles this was still <laughs> just a frame so yeah we opened up before and then 2015, when they were starting to fill this in, is when we started to try to figure out exactly how we were going to handle uh, the noise and the style. So upstairs, the music's kind of low. It's more of like a, a lounge atmosphere. And then downstairs is where we'll turn the music up and make it more of a club. So like you have two different experiences as well. So it's kind of also benefited us too. Furthermore, you know, when an establishment that is key to the area moves in and finds its ground as an anchor point, the city doesn't really want you in trouble. Like, nobody wants you in trouble because it would be bad for people moving out to this area. I mean, there's a lot of apartments that still need to be filled out here. And say if Sign of the Whale was gone because you got hit with all these stupid tickets for, you know, whatever it may be, like, there would be less draw for people to want to come out here and move. I mean, there's really not enough spaces as it is. And mm-hmm. on this side, we have Mexico, we have Fortina, we have Bear Burgers still. It's cool. But it's, it's not enough on its own. You need mm-hmm. this, which is known as more of the party bar. Oh, you want to go have your late night party? You come over here. Mm-hmm. The music's bumping and there's fun to be had as opposed to going to more so a restaurant setting. Because mm-hmm. at night, we turn this thing into a high volume party bar. Um, on the other end of this area that's been being built out, we've got Taco Daddy, uh, Lila Rose, you know, there's like T's Pizza Kitchen. You're just naming all the people that have been on our show. Is that what you're doing? <laughs> no, it just happened that way. But, <laughs> but these are like, these are the reasons why people are moving over here is mm-hmm. because there's enough things to do in the nightlife. Mm-hmm. How do you find the city working with you in a lot of ways too, where you realize that, you know, they're not trying to knock you for stupid things? The city's been great. Um, even when I had to call the police station last week and set up our police detail, they were very happy to help us out. You know, they want to make sure that People are safe coming here. They can enjoy themselves and you know have a good experience while also benefiting uh, the city, like you had said. So we haven't really seen much resistance from the city. And then BLT, as um, a property management company, has been great to us too in letting us kind of run with some things that you know they took a risk on, like when we did our little Oktoberfest events for those two years, and even letting us put some bands on the roof during the day in the summer. You know, like you mentioned, we have the neighbors across the street. They're leasing to them, but they let us also kind of do some things that may not work in their benefit in that way. 
to try to make sure that we're still successful here. So everybody in this community from the government, police, um, and even the building management company here has been very helpful. Were, through COVID, were we able to work out rent deals as many restaurants? Some yeah, it wasn't um, a huge deal. Um, so this property here is still owned by BLT. Um, a lot of the other spaces that received some deals are now under new uh, landlords, new um, property owners. They did help us out a little bit, but it was only a short period of time. I think they also saw that we had, um, even though we took a loss last year, for the most part, we still had a lot of people here and weren't dying as a business. So, you know, it, 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 the property is a business too. They have to make their money. When you do these events and partake in events that are done by the city, who's reaching out to who at this point? Is the city coming to you and saying, hey, we've got a great idea? Um, no, I feel like in that respect, it's two different entities. Like downtown has their restaurant week and it's never been spoken about that like Harper Point would also do it at the same time. We've kind of had to do our own events. We've kind of stood on our own in that way. We're almost like our own little city down here when it comes to planning events and things like that. And I'm pretty sure that Stanford does that because they want to make sure that their downtown area doesn't um, fall apart or, or become a ghost town. Because, I mean, if they allowed retail down here, too, I, there's zoning things. There's reasons why there isn't, like, shopping down here outside of restaurants. Because they didn't want to lose the mall. I mean, even though they're kind of already losing it anyway. Um, they wanted to, The city planners had, you know, their spaces and their ideas of how they wanted things to run. So, they, we're not always included when it comes to that kind of stuff. Uh, I'm actually rarely ever included. Um, so, we have to come up with our own ideas and our own events down here. And then, speaking on that, shed light on Derby Day. Mm-hmm. Like, what what happens? How has this been built out over the years? Like, apparently it's crazy. Um, I'll give Eric Zeiss a lot of credit for that because he's a big Kentucky Derby kind of, like, person. He loves the race. And then our first full summer open that May, he... He's got posters on his wall. Yeah, he came up um, with the plan to try to do our own Derby party here. I'm not sure where he had seen it. I'm sure it wasn't, like, just, you know, his solo brainchild, but he saw it somewhere and we adapted it here. And it, become a, it became a really, really fun time. I mean, our staff comes, dresses up in the hats and the ties and all that, and then the guests come in and do the same. And it builds up till the race comes on, and we put the sound on at all our speakers. And then by the time that is over, everybody's kind of had a few drinks, and they're ready to, like, really enjoy themselves after that. So it's, it's been a nice, layered day. Once they legalize sports gambling in the area, then you can really get the full experience. I mean, I don't know what kind of permits and licenses well, we need. I mean, need, people can do it on there. Yeah, that's true. Least, they they can yeah. definitely have more fun out in the open about it, yeah. that It seems just like it, it's really hard to put on events in bars where people dress up. Like, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a rarity throughout the year unless it's, yeah, like, Halloween. Halloween mm -hmm. You get some dressing up. But, like, how many bars try to do an ugly sweater party all the time? And it's, like, the most basic, like, yeah, we're going to do a party. It's going to be an ugly sweater one because everyone's got one of those laying around. Mm -hmm. Nobody really ever comes out to that. They do stoplight parties, like wear red, wear yellow, or wear green, depending on like if you're single, don't know, or like fully mm -hmm. taken. Like people don't really take part in these things. Whoa, so it's, what? <laughs> you've never, have you been out to the bars ever? Never been to one of those. Is, stop, <laughs> is this just party? an old party that would occur? Well, no, I just think that it, it, it was a good idea for this area, you know, this demographic of people. I mean, you have Darien here, you have Greenwich right next to us. And those kids want to come out and show off their Vineyard Vine shirts and all that kind of stuff. So I think that's kind of how it started. And it's be, it, was, it was a fun event from the first time we did it. And it just built up from there. And now people look forward to it. With now 
the summer approaching and us getting ready to lose all COVID laws. Mm. Uh, I came out here last week just to check what things are like because this is really fun. I've been screaming, get rid of the masks forever. <laughs> and now we finally are at that point as of May 1st uh, in Connecticut where we can kind of go back to normal as long as you have an outdoor venue, mm -hmm. which this works greatly in your favor. Uh, this also works for the beer garden up mm -hmm. the street too because it's all outdoor. And what I noticed on March 1st going out, which I think was a Saturday, there was just like this rift between two different groups of people as far as their thoughts go. There were ones walking around with their masks fully, mm -hmm. and then there were other people just like bare-shirted so essentially. So happy that it was over. Right? Exactly. And you would catch a little bit of looks from those wearing the masks being like, oh, scumbag, like, mm -hmm. oh, cool. But this is kind of this transitional phase that we're going into now too where you're going to start seeing this difference between people of where they want to be. Mm -hmm. Like, I'm all in on sitting upstairs, which I was, you know, right next to a group of chicks. Like, mm -hmm. I think our butts were even touching. Like, mm -hmm. this is weird because we haven't had this for so long where we're just, like, sitting with other people. He's back to selling sex. Yep. As soon as it turned nice out, <laughs> but, sex again. but this is what we go back into, right? There's guys trying to talk to girls. It's mm -hmm. normal. There's no mask being put on upstairs. Like, are you seeing the same excitement that I'm speaking about yes, right now? People that, especially regulars of ours that have had to come in, like we had mentioned earlier and sit and eat and have their beers. And they're sitting at their table, talking a group of girls at another table, wishing they can just get up and go and talk to them. And they almost kind of like have to like, give eyes from the side of the room and hope that eventually they can muster up a conversation later on, maybe on the way out. So that's all returned. And we saw um, all of that last week. I mean, you, as you, you said you were here, like there's people all around the bar um, really enjoying themselves like as if, you know, this had never happened. And I was happy to see that people were able to go out and enjoy themselves again in the manner that they all wanted to. I mean, people have been hoping for this for over a year and a half now. So then what happens now on the 19th with the next set of rules? So I'm waiting for like the full legislation and the full set of rules, but right. the way Are I, we all? yeah, right. It's like, can I plan for this? Like, give me a heads up. We're just going to do it on the 19th and I have to figure it out. Just got to be ready to go. So I'm hoping that it's just a complete removal and you can leave it up to business owners to decide what they really want to do for their guests. I mean, I'm sure there's some places that are going to want to keep some of the rules in place so that guests that are kind of timid, like you had mentioned, there's two walks of life to try to cater to both. Um, and depending on how I see sales go when that happens, I'll think about maybe still keeping some things in place, like downstairs if you're not at your table during dining, could you please just put a mask on on your way to the bathroom or if you're on your way out? But then as the nightlife comes and people are coming out to drink and eat, you know those people could give a shit about wearing a mask. Right. So when 10, 30, 11 o'clock comes and people want to be in a bar atmosphere, by all means, take your mask off and enjoy yourself. So we're going to try to find that balance to cater to people that want to just let loose and then also people that are still a little timid about what's going on. So what I've been explaining to Nooms and just now is that it's really hard to police this mm -hmm. as a result, I think, well, of, you were explaining it to, of May. You were explaining it to me. Okay. I just want Got it. That's what it was? <laughs> sure. Got it. <laughs> so <laughs> as a result, I though, realized that was the way that conversation went. Yeah, yeah. As a result of, no, I, I didn't even finish my sentence. I was just like leading into it. <laughs> like, let me get to it then and I'll tell you about it. <laughs> so what, ha what happened though is as a result of like May 1st coming around and now people getting to go outside, no mask, upstairs on your rooftop, no mask. When they come into my space that is completely inside, 
it's like everyone has just forgotten that there's still kind of inside rules mm-hmm. and everyone's just walking through without masks. I've never had to in my life just be like, yo, mask, like just mask up. Mm-hmm. I'm not like I'm not an officer by any means. Like I'm just out here trying to make the service drink tickets so mm-hmm. I could just keep my night going. So, but it's really hard to now police a crowd like that where you kind of have no black and white. It's mm-hmm. just a gray area. And what you're saying here now too is that maybe we'll keep restrictions downstairs in the dining room during dining service where it's going to be you screaming at a lot of people and mm-hmm. be like, "Hey, you're walking around, put your mask on," and they're just going to go, "Hey." We don't have to. Didn't you see the laws? Mm -hmm. And it's really hard to convey that to people that are coming out here like this. Well, we're already seeing that happening now from guests that are upstairs where they don't have to wear it and coming down here either to exit or to maybe come down and maybe they came to have drinks first and they're going to have dinner afterwards to try to let them understand that, you know, I know that you want to just rip the mask off and never see it again, but we still have these rules in place. So I'm kind of dealing with that now. And it's helping us get ready for when, you know, this change happens on the 19th. Um, but I mean, I can only imagine what it's like for you when people walking in and they want to be in that same atmosphere and not have the mask on, be able to talk to their friends out loud without being like, hey, so uh, <laughs> can you hear me? Because I, I don't know if you can hear me because I had this mask on my face. Yeah. Um, so I know we're all excited for it. And I hope that when this all happens on the 19th, in two, three weeks time, we don't see a spike in numbers. And then I'm like, oh, you know, what? we made a mistake. I'm, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic. You've also brought back, I'm sure, happy hour now. Mm-hmm. What happens with the happy hour scenario? What are, what are we putting on these menus here? Uh, well, I mean, it's listed on our website. We, it's mostly, like I had said, like when we um, had just a third of the roof was just bar food. It's basically that, those style items. You, know, you have your wings, you have your pizzas, flatbreads, coconut shrimp, empanadas, like our, our staple items that we can turn out quick. And um, plenty of great draft beer, wine, and um, mixed cocktails as well that you can get for between four and six, Monday through Friday. Um, and I believe, if I'm not mistaken, the appetizers are all $7, mixed drinks are 6 and draft beers are, are 5 Are you seeing that people are coming back out for happy hour specifically? I mean, nowhere had happy hour for so I long. I don't think people are coming out for it specifically. I think people are just happy to get out of their house when they can. Um, I just want to have it out there as like advertising so that when they do see it and things start to get back to a little bit of a normalcy, they know that we have it in place and they can start looking at those menus. It's on our, it's on our weekly, we have a weekly managers meeting actually uh, every Tuesday mm-hmm. and that's on our list of bringing back happy hour and trying to figure out how to do it. Cause well, I mean, with the so prices, it's not easy too. Right. Know, so we're trying to figure out, we might bump our apps up to eight this year from seven, but I think that's still a really good deal. Um, and the mix, the, the alcohol hasn't gone up as much as the food. So I'm kind of trying to keep that where, where it's been. We were, we were toying with the idea of making it like an experience-based happy hour instead of just like a discount thing, but we can't really figure out mm. how to do it where it's not hard to explain, you know, because you get a lot of things where like, okay, if you do this and then this happens and then that happens, you get this. You just want to be able to tell something, you know what, I, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah, no, I know <laughs> what you mean. People are like, wait, what do you mean? What do you mean? Yeah. I just want to tell you, what's happy hour? This is it. That's it. One sentence. Mm. Enjoy discovering how others run their establishments, the problems they face, and the solutions they've found? Take a look through our episode list as we've spoken with tons of businesses that you know and frequent, getting their business perspectives every Thursday. This has been a recording from Waiting on Fries.